What if we created a side entity that all additional money flowed through that helped give grants to build affordable housing in the areas where they needed it? Same money, same budget, different purpose. There would be more affordable housing than would be needed. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips and Heather Marchant here. Good day. Sun is shining. It's getting warmer. In Utah, it's been warm here. I've got my boat back from the shop and life is good again. Some Kenny Chesney playing in the background. Mm-hmm. On all mm-hmm. around calls. <laughs> well, we hope everything is going swimmingly for you. There's a lot of chaos out there. Don't let it scare you. We've talked about this in the past. Don't be scared. Be purposeful about moving forward with whatever your plans are. There's still a lot of good, a lot of opportunity out there. I saw a post the other day, scared money don't make money, but neither does stupid money. So don't be scared or stupid, I guess. Moral of the story. I just got back from Oklahoma just last night on a property tour, as you know, Ron, and I was just blown away by how much we have a shortage of housing. I mean, it's everywhere, but the shortage, I just had it in my face several times. We were going around looking at different properties in different areas and a couple stops we made and one of them was a gas station. We were just chit-chatting with the lady at the counter for a minute and she said she drives 40 minutes to get to work because she doesn't have another place to live closer or you know, rent that's affordable or what have you. And that was consistent the whole trip of just going through and seeing how people are commuting so far with fuel prices very high because of lack of housing. Then the other thing I'll share, I know this is not planned, but I'll just share it really fast. Talking to a lender of the builder's lender. So not a lender that we work with, but for the construction loan, he had some questions for me. And I just told him what we do at RP Capital and gave him kind of a synopsis of how it works for the purpose of he's financing the construction and he's a little bit anxious. And so I'm helping him explain where our buyers come from. And in the end of the conversation, he said, wow, that's really exciting. Like, I, can I get involved? Can I buy property from you guys? <laughs> and I said, well, I guess our conversation went well and he didn't have any concerns. However, he also understood the shortage. He said, the housing shortage. And I said, I know when rates go back down, we still have a housing shortage. The opportunity here is amazing. In the tightening of the banks is normal for the stage of the cycle that we're in. This is not the same kind of a debt crisis, but it is kind of still a debt crisis. It's a debt crisis of our government and the banks are going to tighten, right? Because it's too much uncertainty right now. So it's no wonder that when you had a conversation with a banker, they were trying to figure out what the heck because they're funding, you know, this is a pretty large development when everyone else is trying to pull back. But we've got a builder who's willing to build for less and do more. And because of that, we can make the numbers work. And if the numbers work, investors buy, right? So it's just unique. It's a unique situation to have. And these guys have been doing this for so long. They have really good relationships with the local banks. And that's really what you have to have to be able to move through this uncertainty. Because otherwise, if there's no liquidity in the market, the banks can't lend, everything grinds to a halt. It doesn't make any difference what supply and demand says. 
because if the banks aren't going to lend, there's there's not enough capital because the government right now is trying to pull it all back in. Not all of it, but they're trying to reduce it. So if there's not enough capital and the banks can't lend, it doesn't really matter if we need more. There's just not going to be enough. Yeah. You said permits are way down too. So yeah, not as much buildings happening this year. Yep. 100%. And that's in most places in the country. And even in the places where they're turning in a lot of permits, the government can't get them spit out fast enough for people to actually build. It's remarkable. And that's probably a good segue into what we're talking about today. We're basically talking about the government today. So this might be a lively show. There's a post by a friend of mine, and I read the post and I was just like, man, this is so spot on. This is so spot on. And all it is, is just a story of one person on Section 8 that just happens to lease a property from my buddy. The synopsis of the story is that this lady's been living in this house for a while and Section 8 came out to do their inspection. Now, I know my buddy, he doesn't rent crappy properties. So he claims that this apartment is one of the best apartments that there is in this price range. It's large, it's really in good condition. And the thing with Section 8 inspectors is it's kind of like when you order inspection for your house. Their job is to find something wrong. It doesn't matter if everything's right. Their job is to find something wrong. And so, of course, they did. And so they wanted him to paint the house because they were chipping paint on the outside of the house. Now, this is on the outside of the house. It has nothing to do with the inside. Yeah, which is ludicrous. Yeah. And she's lived there for years. No complaints. She probably spends her time outside on the side of the house, really concerned about the small amount of chipping paint. And he basically said, hey, look, The way this works, in case you guys don't know, Section 8 comes in annually and inspects. Section 8 then tells the owner of the property what they have to do. And if they don't do it, then Section 8 won't pay. And if they pull their funding, that means that this poor woman has to leave and go find some. Now, when she does, Section 8 doesn't pay her moving expenses. They don't pay for her to hook up utilities. If you guys have moved, you all know how it is. So all that pain this lady is getting ready to have to do because we've already talked about what happens with affordable housing. So the owners are getting pinched and now Section 8 comes along, wants them to do unnecessary repairs and he can't raise the rent for these because Section 8 pays what Section 8 pays. So in order to continue to do this, it's just a numbers game. So for my buddy, he just says, well, that doesn't make any sense. I can't do that at current rent. And so this lady is now, she is trying to figure out what to do because she's lived there for years. She likes the school district. She wants to stay there. And usually they don't have a lot of time, right? Like this isn't like you got to move next year. This is like, hey, you have 30 days. Find a place, pack up your house. It's a lot. And this is such a classic government program, complete screwed up mess. Okay, so I guess we're starting with the cons. I'll give you, in my opinion, Heather, maybe you can think of another one. I'm going to put the burden on Heather to think of a second, third, or however many she can come up with. Yeah. Because the only pro, in my humble opinion, is that the government pays and you don't have to worry about the tenant. Okay, so I took the easy one. I'm putting everything else on Heather. So let's not start with the cons. The cons are going to be so easy. This is going to be like easy. So other pros that I've had in the past have been they those tenants tend to stay a long time. So they're typically not destructive tenants. They're typically messy tenants is how I differentiate. They're not knocking holes in walls as much as they are. I think I told my story about the drywall eater child. Did I not? 
Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's destructive. Sorry. Is that section eight? Section eight all the way, baby. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I have, in my experience, not seen them to, like, I think a lot of people assume section eight tenants are bashing holes in walls and breaking stuff. And it's mostly neglecting the lawn care, things like that. A lot of tenants that I've worked with in section eight are on disability. So moving is very difficult. So they stay a long time. The rent's on time most of the time. We've had some problems in Birmingham, Alabama lately with that. Hey, not to call you out or anything, Birmingham, Alabama, but if anybody knows somebody down at the Birmingham, Alabama office, maybe you could tell them to get their crap together. More to come on that. Yeah, that'd be really, really helpful. But it's typically a lot easier that way. So those are my pros that I got. Okay. And those are solid pros. I knew Heather would pull it out because right now, the only thing I can think of are cons because they're plentiful. And they're not hard to find. Yeah. They're really not. Look, this is the most genuine problem with nearly every entitlement program that the government has. You name it, I guarantee you, it has one or more of the same problems as Section 8. So here we have a bloated bureaucratic mess whereby they are supposed to be looking out for the person who needs the assistance. And in this scenario, because some moron needs to go out and justify their existence by finding something wrong with the property, in spite of the fact that it has absolutely nothing to do with the livability of the property or that it does anything negative for the person living in the property. And they don't think through the fact that if they put this on there and the person can't justify the cost of painting an entire outside of a house because of a couple of paint chips. Exactly. Safety. Yeah. We're going to make this woman move with her family and make her incur all the costs of doing so, all because the bureaucracy hasn't thought through this issue very well. Yeah. Okay. That's only one of the issues. Only one. But in this particular case, it's a pretty big issue. Yeah. Now, moving the story along, this lady... God bless her. This lady told my buddy that she's getting a better job. She's about to graduate. She's going to get a better job. She's going to make more money. And when she makes more money, she's going to lose Section 8 anyway. She knows it. So she's going to pass on it and stay where she is because she loves the apartment. She's going to pay market rent because in just a little bit, she's going to get a big raise because with her graduation comes more money. Now, this is an atypical example of what happens with Section 8. And this woman should be praised all day long by everyone because she used the program as it was intended when it was first instituted. It was supposed to be a hand up, a help, so to speak. It was not meant to be with the caveat that Like Heather said, there are people on disability that are living. Those people clearly need help and support from all of us. No problem. But the vast majority of people on Section 8 are literally generational Section 8 folks. And that is a function of the system. Mm -hmm. It's not even a function of the people because the people are simply living in the system. Because here's the thing that nobody says. I'm not even sure people really know. Let's take this woman, for instance. Let's say she wants out of Section 8. If she wants out and she wants to get ahead, then she's going to have to start paying this rent herself, okay? She's already paid to go to college. Hopefully, she got some assistance with that. That actually is a hand up, right? Mm -hmm. Now, she's going to have to get out of all the other programs. Right when she needs the programs the most, they're going to kick her out. Yeah. Now, single moms get crapped on and or held down more than any other class of person in the country, in my humble opinion, because this woman is bettering herself 
And she's going to have to try to figure out now how to make it paying the full rent that she wasn't paying before and all of the other expenses that she has with this raise that she's getting from graduating from college. Might be nice if the program had an exit strategy that maybe backed the rent down as her income went up so that she could transition out. Yeah. I will say my husband worked for a private, I think they get some government grants, but a private kind of like a halfway house for homelessness is what I, how I describe it. I'm sure my husband would cringe if he heard me say it. From what he's told me, that's what it sounds like. And they're working through the program First, they're kind of sharing kitchen space, like they share living space, but have their own room. And they have certain things they need to do, criteria they need to meet. They all pay rent, but it's almost nothing. And then they get to have, as they check off criteria and you know they get coaching on resumes and getting a job and all sorts of help that way, they work up to an independent living area. On a property, there's just small little homes. They each get their own home. Their rent goes up to like $300 a month. And they're working to get out of the program. And I loved it. He volunteered there, did some family therapy with families there. And that kind of model, right? Where it's step up, progressing to be out in normal type of life. Self-sufficient. Yes. And anyone who is doing what this woman is doing should have all the support in the world to make it happen. Yeah. And instead, what the government programs are going to do is punish her for trying to be self-sufficient. Yep. Now, WIC, same thing. Medicaid, same thing. As a matter of fact, I've heard from people who have tried to get off of Medicaid that when you go to the Medicaid office to try to get off, they berate you until you're a horrible parent because how are you going to take care of your children? Interesting. Because the bureaucracy has to have the same amount of money. Like the way that these programs are work is so backwards. Every single government program, every single government entity has a budget. If you don't spend the budget, you don't get the budget next year. So you have to spend the money. In order to get the budget, you have to have the bodies. It's an absolute joke. We should be moving people out of these yeah. into more of what, what the program should be is yeah. what the private program is that yeah. you just described. Here's the other side of that. Why in the world do we have homeless people in America? I get that some of them are drug addicted. Some of them are just going to be homeless. But what about the single mom who just becomes homeless because she got kicked out of the Section 8 program or never got into the Section 8 program because her husband kicked her to the curb and she doesn't have an address now. Yeah, This is the craziest thing ever. You can wait on the waiting list for Section 8 for years. Same thing with the VA. So I had a friend here in Charleston Mm -mm. who we were trying to get on VA housing who was basically going to be homeless. He got kicked out of his place. He was renting a place with a friend. And when his lease came due, the friend kicked him out. He's nowhere to go and he's disabled vet. So where's he going to go? Well, he's on the wait list for housing. Yeah. But where the heck is he supposed to go? He's on the wait list. He doesn't have any money. He's disabled, served the country. Wow. These government programs are broken and they're broken for the reason that I stated. They are bloated and they exist for the people running them, not for the people who need them. They are most assuredly not a hand up. They are a hand out and they trap people rather than help people. In my humble opinion. Yeah, I see that for sure. Yeah. If you guys have ever dealt with any of these programs, it's pretty clear. On the flip side of that, let's say you actually have Section 8. Let's say you are one of the people who actually tore property up. 
Are you kicked out of the program? Make room for somebody else who's on the wait list who probably wouldn't do that? Absolutely not. Nope. And who pays for the renovations to the property? It's certainly not them. Yeah, exactly. It's the owner of the property. And if you want to do Section 8 again, you got to bring it up to Section 8 standards. Despite the fact that it was Section 8 that took it below Section 8 standards to begin with, it was that person. They didn't get kicked off. They're moving into somebody else's property and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's just, it becomes a cycle and having to try to hold people like that accountable is really hard. I should say, Heather, I know you and I both have Section 8 tenants. I have nothing against Section 8 tenants. I get irritated with the programs and the way they treat the people in the programs. Yeah. They're people too. They're just like everybody else. They're just trying to make it. And instead of being helped, in my opinion, they're trapped. Yeah. So this woman, God bless her, is getting out. She's hell-bent on getting out. And it's probably going to cost her quite a bit of money to do it. And maybe she's got some support from family or something that's helping her bridge the gap. Wouldn't it be cool if there were... My buddy's idea was have a shelf life. Yeah. Just say, look, 100% first year, 80% second year. Just let the thing and combine it with something that when someone is showing that they're working their way out, that there's additional resources to be able to help them out of the program. Yes. Coaching on getting a job. I mean, my husband working there as a volunteer, they couldn't have afforded to have someone there doing what my husband did to work with the families to break like those generational habits that people have, you know, he worked with people to teach them how to be parents who didn't have good parents themselves that teach them those things. And he taught a lady how to interact with her toddler and how to play with her toddler. I remember like just life skills that I think a lot of us take for granted that we grew up with parents who cared, you know? Yeah. And it's not to your point about your husband's story, teaching someone how to it's not that they don't care. Yeah. It's they don't know how to show that because they weren't shown that. They don't know how to teach that because they weren't taught that. Yep. They're not uncaring people. They're not bad people. Yeah. They're missing some life skills, clearly, and they're missing help and support. That's yep. literally it. And then if they were helped out of the program, the wait list wouldn't exist because there would be plenty of room in the program because we're not trapping people into the program. It just frustrates me that programs that are meant to help people end up over time hurting the very people that they are meant to help. Incentivizing them to stay where they're at. Don't get me started on the programs that incentivize women to be single and have more babies with a myriad of fathers Mm -hmm. because they get paid for every baby that they have. Yeah. That is a generational gut punch. Mm Mm-hmm from our government. It is literally driven by the government to, in effect, harm these people and keep them down. Yep. Because every single study shows that that is a train wreck over time. And I think when they come up with these programs that sometimes they just don't see that. Sometimes it might be malicious intent, but I think a lot of times... They don't really think about the policy and how it affects the people that they're supposed to help. Well, the thing with the government is that once there's a policy, once there's a program, it just continues to run. Even if clearly the data shows that it's not working properly, Mm -hmm. they don't fix it. They just give it more money so that it can harm more people. Yeah. It's really, really sad because 
when people, especially going back to Section 8, when people actually need the money, they can't get it because of the wait list. And on the other side, when they actually need the money and the support to get out, they can't have it. They pull the benefits. It is the most jacked up system ever to get someone off and out and being self-sustaining. Yeah, agreed. Where they can be happier and be happier that they aren't living off of someone else. So Heather, I mean, you just got back from your trip, your tour. Mm -hmm. You heard that affordable housing is needed all over the place. And here we have not everybody needing affordable housing is going to be on Section 8, but this is a, a classic. Here was a, a, an affordable housing unit, and the affordable housing unit was literally in the program helping people, and the government pulled it. So now there's one less unit, and it happens all the time by the thousands. And then the government makes out that all of the people who would provide all of the housing providers in the country are just greedy and they don't care about people. That is so not true. Yeah. My buddy posted, he was so proud of her. My guess is because this guy would never post the other side of this. My guess is that he will help her. Yeah. He'll never say a thing about it on Facebook because he's not that kind of guy. It will go unreported. No one will know about it except for that woman as it should be. Yeah. But the unfortunate part of that is that the story that's being told out there about housing providers, the narrative gets to be the same, that they're just yeah. greedy and they don't care. When in reality, it's the government that kicked the unit off. Not my buddy. They did it. He didn't do it. So it's one less unit. And you ask, how do we not have more affordable housing? Why can't we build more units? This is the reason. Yes. This is the reason. It's not financially feasible to build them. And the units that are older that are on are getting taken off because of the system. So true. And so frustrating to see it so clearly and know that policy, a lot of, a lot of policy preventing it from happening. So frustrating. Yep. Everybody out there, think about this for just a second. What if... Section 8 actually moved people out of Section 8. They become tax-paying, productive members of society. And we move people through. And the additional budget surplus that they have, rather than taking it from the local departments where we have this bloated bureaucracy that doesn't want to lose the money, what if we created a side entity that all additional money flowed through that helped to build, to give grants to build affordable housing in the areas where they needed it. Yeah. Same money, same budget, different purpose. I guarantee you there would be more affordable housing than would be needed if the government would do something like that. And add resources like you talked about, right? The extra budget for resources to help people give them a hand up with real life skills, you yep. know? And here's the thing. When we started the charity in Utah, that's what we were doing. Yeah. And we didn't ever get any money from the government. If the government would partner with other charities and other organizations, people would volunteer their time and their money True. for a program like that. The problem is no one wants to give more money to the government to have the government waste it. Yeah. 
our charity wasted no money. We had one employee. We didn't pay them a whole lot. They were passionate about the project. And we basically funded it, staffed it, and everything. It was all volunteers. Yeah. And most of the volunteers, Heather, if you remember, most of the volunteers were business owners. Yeah. They were business people. I'm telling you that a little, a slight tweak to the government program. Actually, that's a major overhaul. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> a complete overhaul to this system yeah. would make it so that there wouldn't be a wait list. People would actually get help. It would change generations of lives if they did that. And I think one thing that kind of dovetails with this round that I wasn't planning on talking about is how we're doing that Women's Investor Network webinar at the end of the month mm, in April right. to help women to be empowered to understand investment specific to real estate, because that's what we do, and helping them to understand so that they can be empowered to change their lives versus it being, um, well, how did I describe it to you the other day, Ron? I think I said, in a group with men, even though I'm pretty confident in what I know about investing in real estate, I still am timid as a woman to ask questions. So I think that having a place to feel safe, to ask questions and to learn from each other is really exciting and powerful. And it's something that it's inspiring to me. And I feel like you've created a foundation for that. It's a big deal to us to support women, especially single mothers. I think I've said it before, but after the crash through my church, I was put in charge of the people who needed financial assistance. And there were so many single women who found themselves, well, single for the first time in a long time. They didn't realize what kind of skills they had and they didn't understand how to do a lot of the, well, that's not even true. They understood. They didn't have the support and they didn't have the confidence that they needed to get back out into the workforce. And the reality of the situation is for the most part, they ran the finances of the house. Yeah, it's not like they so didn't true. know how to run the finances. Yeah. Most of the time they undercut themselves. They didn't value themselves probably because they're Husbands that left them were douchebags and beat them down a little bit. But regardless of the reason, they needed some confidence boost. And yeah. you saw it, Heather. It was like literally 45 minutes after we worked with them at our charity. Completely different. Walking with a head up, shoulders back. It was completely different. Anyway, the real estate investment world is dominated by men. We're out to change that. Women who get this do so well, they do better than most of the men. And which yeah, is kind of agreed. funny because Heather said she's timid to talk. Heather probably knows more than most of the guys in the rooms. Yeah. And I know that in my head. That's why it's so interesting, the psychology of it and the culture. Most of the women I've talked to about real estate investing when their husband is present will say things like, my husband understands and that's okay. Like I trust my husband to understand all of it. I don't need to understand. <laughs> Not Okay. Yeah, I want women to feel like they are equal partners in like their financial terms and understanding what is happening. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. And I did ask our setter who sets appointments for us, who talks to everyone who initially calls in. She said 90% of the people that call are men. So wanting to upend that a little bit. Yep. We're on a mission. We're going to make it happen. That's right. All right, everybody. I'm done beating up on Section 8. I will just point out one more time. Heather and I have Section 8 tenants. So it's yeah. not like <laughs> yes. 
It's not like Section 8 is a bad thing. If you own property, there's no problem having yep. Section 8 tenants or anything like that. I just find it interesting that people don't understand how the programs work. And unless you're close enough to it, you'll never understand it. So we thought we'd just bring it to you a little bit today and help you understand how the program works. Next time you look at a government program of any kind, you can look at it through the lens that I just gave you and you'll find exactly what I just said. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and on that lovely note, y'all get out there this week and make something happen. And man, if anybody, seriously, anybody listening in Alabama knows the people at the Section 8 office in Alabama, if Email they could us. just pay the right person that would be wonderful. That would be so great. Yeah, that would be great. We'll send you some cookies. <laughs> they seem to want to pay the wrong person literally all the time. So yeah. it'd be great if we could get that straightened out. If you need more detail and you've got a line in there, just reach out to us. We appreciate it. That's right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.